Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Lord, I pray again for your provision and and I just ask that you bless every gift and giver in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to wrap up uh, uh, Lost in Translation. The first week of this series, uh, what we looked at was the words... uh, uh, repentance and does anybody remember the other one repentance and forgiveness and we talked about how the biblical translation uh, if you go back to the original language for uh, repentance simply means to change your mind to shift your mind for the better so we shift our mind onto the goodness and grace of God it says that that's the foundation of repentance uh, and our feet will follow our, our actions will follow in repentance and the Bible says that repentance is met immediately with forgiveness when we look at the original language it's so interesting because forgiveness just does not just mean pardon for your sin but it actually means uh, freedom from bondage and freedom from imprisonment so when Jesus says you know uh, I will forgive your sins he's actually saying uh, what I want to do is release you from the bondage to the sins that uh, sometimes hold us captive Uh, last week we talked about condemnation and justification. Uh, Condemnation, as we looked at, does not mean uh, you feel guilty about something. Actually, the biblical word for condemnation means a legal and judicial sentence to hell. Pretty exciting stuff. But Paul said there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So he actually uh, agreed with his audience. He said, sin demands condemnation, but there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That that legal and judicial sentence to hell has been removed. And he said, why? He said, because justification in Christ has taken place. Justification, we looked at last week, means that you have been declared, again, legally and judicially innocent of every accusation, of every wrongdoing, has been uh, taken off of your slate because it was placed on Christ. Now, today we're going to wrap up by looking at one word, that is really the cornerstone of our faith. It's a word that Jesus talked about all the time. It's a word that Paul talked about all the time. Uh, In fact, when Paul talked about justification, he said this one word is the path to justification. Uh, It's it's the the way to get to God's justification. It lies, again, at the foundation of our faith, and that word is faith itself. Paul said we are justified by faith. Uh, Faith, church, as uh, you probably know, is where your relationship with God begins. Jesus said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, the the Bible rarely uses the word impossible. In fact, in in all of the Old Testament and New Testament combined, it it happens on about 10 different occasions. Uh, Three of those, for instance, in Hebrews 6, it tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us that it is impossible for the blood of goats and bulls to remove sins. That's why Jesus had to come. And in Hebrews 11, it tells us it is impossible to please God apart from faith. And we'll actually put that on the screen in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because anyone who comes to him must believe. That word believe is actually the same word used for faith. In other words, anyone who comes to him must have faith that he exists. So it's kind of self-fulfilling. It's it's impossible to please God apart from faith because it takes faith 
to believe in God. doesn't mean it's a blind faith, but it means that uh, faith is involved. So Hebrews says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Jesus said, with faith, nothing is impossible. Uh, in Matthew 17, when the disciples were unable to cast out a demon out of the man's son, um, Jesus said to them, if your faith is even the size of a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible to you. Mark's account, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Again, the same word for the one who has faith. Everything is possible. So again, Hebrews says, without faith, impossible to please God. Jesus said, with faith, all things are possible. Faith is pretty important if you're not seeing that at this point. But we know now that because our justification and our salvation are by grace through faith, uh, what that means is that faith, your faith, has eternal results and eternal ramifications. But we also see from the Gospels that faith played a role in people's present-day lives. Uh, uh, when Jesus healed the woman, for instance, with the issue of blood, he turned to her after and said, it was your faith that healed you. So if you're taking notes, I have a few points today. And the first one is just that faith has both eternal and present day ramifications or consequences or results, whatever you want to say there. Faith, in other words, is not simply for the purpose of eternal salvation. Faith, uh, it affects how we live our lives today. Uh, it affects the, uh, you know, when we live by faith and walk by faith. Uh, we're going to look at that uh, a little more closely. Now, uh, I'm not a Greek scholar or, or a Hebrew scholar. I don't claim to be, but I do look, like looking at the original languages. Just a quick side note, if that ever interest, interests you, there are a lot of really expensive programs, but there's also a free one. I'm the guy that goes for the free one. Uh, it's called eSword. If you're interested in seeing the Bible in its original language, uh, just uh, look up eSword. You can download it, uh, uh, the letter E and the word sword, um, and it'll, it'll lay out the whole Bible for you, and all you have to do is hover over, you know, look up the verse and hover over it, and you can see it in the original language. Uh, but we're going to look uh, at the word faith. Now, in my studies of original languages, which again is, is limited, uh, I have never come across a word that is quite like faith. And I want to show you why that is. So if you want to put that on the screen, uh, Cheyenne. Uh, faith is the word pistis. Uh, it means faith, belief, assurance, reliance upon, and trust. Now, uh, why do I say that I've never seen a word like faith before? And Cheyenne, you can actually keep that on the screen for quite a while. Um, because if you look at faith, the, the meaning of this one word in the Bible, uh, it's almost a journey of faith within itself. Uh, and I'll show you what I mean. Right now, uh, I believe that there is a stool behind me. There is a chair behind me. I have faith that there's a chair behind me because to believe is to have faith. But now that I'm kind of feeling the evidence of it, uh, I have an assurance that there is a stool behind me. So again, I have just another level of faith. But at this point, I'm not relying on that stool. Uh, I don't even have my trust in that stool. I just have a level, level of faith in it. Again, this is just one word in the Greek language. Uh, but once I sit back and, and take all the weight off of myself and place it on the stool, then I've gone from a place of uh, belief 
and assurance and confidence to a place where now uh, I am fully relying on this stool. Does that make sense? We're still just at, a, at another degree of faith. And what you can see is the word for faith uh, is actually kind of a journey of faith. It's really interesting. Never seen anything like it in Scripture. But uh, even reliance upon something doesn't mean that I trust it. Uh, if you were with us at the mall, you remember I had a different stool at the mall. It was a glorious day when I got rid of that stool. Uh, you would have thought that the legs of the stool were like made of jello because it just swayed back and forth. Uh, if we had a guest speaker, I said, do not sit in that stool. But I would kind of ease back into it when I had to. And at times I would rely on that stool, but I never trusted that stool. Usually in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to die <laughs> right here in front of the church just by sitting uh, in this stool. But with this stool, for instance, uh, I've sat in it so many times, and it's never swayed, it's never collapsed, it's never fallen down on me, that I've gotten to the point where not only do I believe it's here and have confidence that it's here, not only do I rely on it at times, but I just, I trust that it's not going away. I trust that this stool is never going to let me down. Now, somebody's going to play a prank on me and like loosen some screws or something. <laughs> Don't do that. But uh, that's exactly what it's like when the Bible talks about this journey of faith with God. We are trying to move from a place of, okay, you know, I believe that God can provide for me to I have a confidence that God can provide for me to a place where I say, you know what, God, I just rely on your provision in my life to a place where I say, God, I'm not even worried about it anymore. I just trust you to provide for me. Now, each one of these individually is an example of faith, but what we see is they are differing, uh, different degrees of faith. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians, Paul wrote, uh, in chapter 1, he said, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. What does it mean that their faith is growing more and more? It means that they are moving in this area of faith from a place of belief and confidence to a place of reliance and complete, unabated trust in God. We do the same thing. I encourage you, uh, whatever it is in your life, whether it's broken relationships or brokenness in your heart, whatever it is, you say, God, you know, I believe that you can heal me here or heal this relationship to a place where, God, I am confident that you can do it. And ultimately, it's just, God, I trust you with my relationships and I rely on you there. Uh, there's a picture I wanted to show you this morning, if you want to go ahead and put that on the screen. Uh, I'm not going to try to, to uh, pronounce this guy's name. A few years ago, he was named the world's strongest man. Uh, this is him deadlifting about 1,200 pounds, which is uh, over half a ton. Now, there's something that you don't know about, about me as your pastor. I have just as many muscles as he does. <laughs> the only difference is I have not developed my muscles the way that he has. Romans says that we've been given a measure of faith. That doesn't mean that you've been given your faith, that's all you get, now deal with it. It means everyone's been given that faith, now develop it, exercise it so that it begins to grow. By the way, I just want to say, I haven't always been a string bean like this. Uh, this has nothing to do with the message. But when Emily and I lived in Florida, uh, we used to go to the beach a lot, and my nickname was Muscles. <laughs> that actually was not a punchline, but... I started to get kind of a big head about it, and then somebody said, 
we call you that because every time you go out to eat, you always order the mussels. And in that moment, it's just like the wind is taken out of your cells. And I want you to know that you can use that joke, and I will not sue you. It's, <laughs> it's free. All right. There was a sermon here somewhere. Uh, we all have a muscle of faith. What you have to do is develop that faith. And that's point number two. If you're taking notes, your faith is intended to be developed. Now, I'll give you the first and simplest step. It begins with prayer. Prayer is effective. Uh, in the story that I mentioned earlier with a man who, whose son, uh, the, the disciples couldn't cast the, the demon out of him, in Mark chapter 9, he turns to Jesus. In verse 22, he says, If you can do anything, Jesus, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Again, the exact same words there. He, what he says is, I do have faith. Help me overcome my deficiency in faith. So if you struggle with some things with placing your trust in Jesus Christ or, or your trust in God for this or that, the first place to start is prayer. It starts with prayer. It cannot end with prayer. That muscle of faith that you have must be exercised. Faith grows when we walk by faith and when we live by faith. Now, now sometimes this is just concerning how we live our lives one-on-one -on -one between us and God. Other times, it's concerning how we exercise our faith before others. We'll go really quickly to our third point here, uh, and then I'll dive in. But faith is intended to be accompanied by action. Uh, faith and works are not an either-or. Uh, they're a both-and. James said that we should illustrate our faith by our actions, that faith without works is dead. Uh, Paul, who was the trumpeter of uh, salvation by faith apart from works, also said that those works that don't save you, you've been created to do them. So when it comes to salvation and justification, yet faith, grace, stand alone. But when it comes to Christian living... Faith does not stand alone. It should be accompanied by action. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul said, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So again, faith is intended to be accompanied by action. Now, uh, this is true on two levels. Uh, the one that I just mentioned, we should live out our faith uh, in our community by serving and loving and with generosity and grace and compassion but there's a second arena that I want to look at this morning where actions accompany our faith actually not in a way to benefit others. Now, when they benefit others, that's always a good thing. But I want to look at how our actions can accompany faith in a way that's not for the benefit of others, but simply to show God, I have faith in you. I trust in you. I will walk in obedience to you. Uh, there are times that it's kind of small uh, where God is just speaking to our hearts, small things to see if we will walk in obedience before him. Uh, Abraham, who was the father of our faith, he was lauded for his great faith. Remember, the reason, excuse me, is uh, 
Abraham followed God without knowing where he was going. Now, this is actually true in the physical sense and in the spiritual sense. I'll show you this, but in Hebrews 11:8 it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. But in this situation, Abraham understood that on the other side of not knowing where he was going, there was the promised land. But I was thinking this week about when God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. Now, if you think about it, that would have benefited no one. That would have been of no benefit to Abraham, at least not that he could see, would have been no benefit to his son. Uh, there was no one else around to benefit from that. But God called him to, stay, to take a massive step of faith just for the purpose of seeing if he would walk in faith before him. So Abraham, remember, he went on this journey not knowing where he was going, and now he's in this moment where he's, God gives him this command in his heart, sacrifice your son, and you've got to think he's like, I don't know where you're going with this, God. It's that spiritual sense of, I don't know why you are telling me to do this this way. But he's calling him to walk in faith anyway. I want to show you something, because it says uh, in James that when he did this, his faith was made complete. Uh, verse 21 of chapter 2, it says, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete, which means he was, it was made perfect and whole by what he did. Now, uh, this interests me because Abraham did so many things in his life that were for the benefit of the people. But what God said was when he took this step of faith that would have benefited no one else other than to show his obedience and trust in God, God said in that moment, your faith was made perfect. Your faith was made complete. God sometimes asks us to do the little things that we don't really understand why. You don't have to understand why. Uh, a number of years ago, just a small example, my friend uh, was raising money for a mission trip, and I was in my 20s. Uh, I wanted to give her $100, but in your 20s, $100 is a lot of money. Uh, when you have kids, it's even more money. But I just remember when you're broke, $100 is a lot of money. But I was kind of practicing something in my heart, learning to hear the voice of God uh, and learning to walk in obedience. So I did some, it's actually the first time I had ever done it, is I just sat down and I said, God, I feel like I'm supposed to give her $100, but I want to ask uh, you to speak to me in case there's another amount or if I shouldn't give anything. And I closed my eyes and... Uh, Immediately in my mind's eye, I saw just the number 80. Uh, I saw the number 80, and, and God had never spoken to me like this before, really, but I'm trying to learn to trust his voice. So I said, okay, uh, what I'm going to do is a weird number. I'm going to go to the bank, take out $80, and just give her $80 for a mission trip. And I went to the bank, pulled out $80. I came back home, and I laid down in my bed, and uh, under my pillow I felt something, and... Uh, there's a $20 bill under my pillow. 
And I thought, I wanted to give her 100. God told me to give 80. He put the other 20 under my pillow. So God is showing me in this moment that, yes, I am speaking. Will you walk in obedience? And by the way, I gave her the $100. And she said, actually, I raised the money for my mission trip. And I felt like I was supposed to give someone else $100 of my own money. So I gave them $100. And now God has brought that provision back to me. You see, we walk in faith in the little things so that God can show, yes, he does still speak today. Yes, he is still faithful and a provider today. Uh, one of my favorite stories uh, in the Bible is when Peter gets up out of the boat and he walks on the waves. Uh, it's this moment where, where he says, you know, Jesus, if you will call me, I will step out and walk to you. Do you remember that? It's in Matthew chapter 14. What hit me about this story was that Peter was a fisherman and Peter had stepped out onto the waves literally thousands of times, thousands of times in his life. And every time he sunk to the bottom. But in this moment, he believed, God, I'm going to do it again. And this time, if you call me, I will walk straight to you. Do you know what it's called in America if you do the same thing over and over and expect a different result? It's called insanity. In the Bible, it's called resilient faith. I don't know what it is that you have been praying for over and over and over, and it hasn't been answered. It's not insanity for you to keep hoping and keep praying and keep believing and keep trusting. It's called faith, resilient faith, and it's what God has called us to. What Peter did the moment he stepped out of the boat is it wasn't just belief or confidence anymore. It was full and complete reliance upon Jesus. Jesus, I am relying on you because if, if it's not you, then I'm sinking. God is calling us to walk this journey of faith with him. To get deeper and deeper into a place where we just trust him with everything. Now, there are, there's every category of life that we walk through this faith with relationships and marriage and finances, uh, Everything God is trying to take us on this journey to the place where we just completely trust in Him. <clears throat> you know, you've, you've probably heard that we all want to experience miracles. Nobody wants to be in a situation that requires a miracle. It's kind of like that with faith. We all want great faith. Nobody really wants to walk in those seasons of life that require great faith. But this is how our faith grows. In fact, this is what the Bible says we're supposed to do is live by faith and walk by faith. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. And the last thing this morning, Renee, if you want to go ahead and come back up. Um, when Paul was writing to Timothy, a man that he had taken under his wings and said, you're kind of my spiritual son, uh, he gave him one final charge that I wanted you to see. In 1, or 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 12. He said, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. But he said, fight the good fight of faith. Uh, the fourth and final point I have for you this morning is sometimes faith feels like a battle. And that's okay. But fight that battle. Your faith is worth fighting for. Your faith 
is worth saying, Jesus, I'm going to step out of the boat again. Jesus, I'm going to walk towards you again. Do you remember what happened when Peter fell, when, when he sunk in the water? Jesus said, it was your faith. Where was your faith? By the way, if I'm Peter, I would have been mad. I would have said, what do you mean, where is my faith? I just stepped onto the water towards you, Jesus. But Jesus said, no, uh, your faith. There are so many levels that you can get to of trust in God. If you want to stand with me this morning, I want to encourage you, if your faith feels like a battle, it won't always be that way. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul wrote this, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Faithful is who he is. Why do I put this up here? The way that God responds when you take steps of faith is he responds with faithfulness. It's almost like this puzzle that fits together. Your side of the equation is to walk in faith. His side of the equation is he will always be faithful. For God not to be faithful is to deny who he is. God, church, is faithful. I don't know if you're here this morning and... God has been placing it on your heart to, to, to take, take a step of faith. And you've been kind of waiting on, God, show me what that's going to look like first. Show me what it's going to look like at the end. Prove to me that you'll be there at the end. We want great faith without taking steps of faith. But can I tell you, when you step out in faith, God meets you with his faithfulness. Lord, I pray is, um, as Renee leads us this morning, the Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts and reveal to us, God, are there areas of our life that we're not giving to you because we don't quite trust you there yet. Maybe we believe we have a degree of faith, but you are calling us to take that next step, to rely on you and to trust in you. And I pray that your spirit would speak to us in this time and reveal those areas of our lives that we are holding on to. The church, has, as Renee leads us, I challenge you to close your eyes and pray this simple prayer. Spirit, search my heart. Holy Spirit, search my heart. Is there anywhere that you are holding on to that he's calling you to let go and take a step of faith? Lord, I pray uh, that you lead us into greater faith in you. This would be a, a church family, God, where our faith is growing more and more and more. And Lord, if you're leading us to, to speak out in our faith, then we would trust you in that. 
if you're leading us to trust you more in our finances, that we would trust you more in that, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you came with someone this morning, a, a spouse or a friend, I just want to challenge you. Uh, discuss this on your way home. Is there an area in your life where God is calling you to take greater steps of faith? Uh, let's not leave this message here. Let's take it with us. Let's put it into our lives. And let's grow in our faith. Can we do that? All right. Church, have a great week. The Pittsburgh Steelers will not lose a game today. That's always good news, all right? Have a good week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.